What is this, season nine? <laughs> Wait, we're jumping up season pretty fast here. Oh, we were on seven we're last episode. episode of season, yeah. oh, season eight, sorry. Season, season, eight. season seven, episode two. Every episode will move season. a season, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, so, well, it's kind of nice because this, this uh, subject today is built on or predicated from last week's, mm-hmm. right? Last week we talked about, for those who listen... We talked about New Year's goals and how that uh, kind of bleeds into like GPP pro, uh, training or general physical preparedness training versus competitive training in, in the CrossFit space and how you can set your goals for the year based on what you want out of your year of training. Uh, but one thing that we actually got another subject from members uh, regarding that past episode is, all right, well, that makes sense, but how would you program differently for different goals we didn't really dive into that other than like general like volume versus intensity talk we brought up but we never really talked about you know how the gym programs uh like the thought process behind it and eric's been running uh, a similar but constantly improving program for 12 years or more right yeah and uh which is pretty cool most gyms at this point outsource all that stuff and i i think me as a coach and most coaches here we take pride in the fact that we have our own program that we've like built Um, And then like with Levi does a lot of PTs um, and that's obviously a kind of a different head of that is the individualized programming. Um, And then maybe more of biasing your year or certain parts of your year towards certain goals. So I think that's a lot of meat on the bone that we could dig into. Yeah, there's kind of like three tiers of programming. There's programming for the masses, which is kind of the uh, the main workout of the day in sugar wad and then there's people that maybe want to do the main programming but then bias towards strength and then we have like the strength track or bias towards endurance track we have some you know a little bit of extra stuff and then the the kind of most effective i guess would be individualized programming where it's very specific to your goals and um, can be tailored to your weaknesses yeah i think a good kicking off point because this was part of the question that was asked to me by a member, was if CrossFit's supposed to be such a broad, uh, inclusive fitness program, how can you actually program it properly? Like, because you need to be somewhat like good at everything, or at least competent, you know, minimally competent at everything. So how can you do that across a year? Like, what's the blend? Um, well, you could probably speak on this as far as like a gym view, you know. Yeah, I think as a, like the methodology of CrossFit, you know, it's, it's kind of based on the fact that you can raise your endurance while you're raising your strength as long as you're not setting world records in the, in the you know, running category or the weightlifting category. Because once you start to specialize, then you do need to, like, really focus in on those things to adapt your body to be so specialized but in general most people especially most just average joes like they're gonna their back squat will go up from you know air squatting or box jumping so Mm -hmm. um 
so yeah, in general, it's that was kind of that was I guess that was new. That was a new idea that CrossFit brought forward was that you can get stronger while you're um, increasing your endurance and vice versa. Right, which I think was kind of like the exercise science world had gone so far in the direction of like if you want to set world records in marathon like let's study that and this is how you should train for endurance um and if you want to set world records in powerlifting this is how you should train for that and you can't do the same you can't do them both at the same time obviously but then that it didn't take into account general fitness yeah. And so exercise science was really moving towards just specialties instead of um, general fitness. Yeah, which I think is more uh, beneficial for most people. Right. And has more longevity. Because mm -hmm. you're, you're less prone to injury if you're not just doing one thing all, like not to hate on powerlifters, bench squat, deadlift, right? If that's the only three movements you do and maybe once in a while you do some accessories, like the likelihood of you over patterning and building imbalances is probably way higher than doing CrossFit. Well, right. Besides the fact that I think most people um, generally are just wanting to live the most robust life they can. And in order to do that, you need to have a mix of a lot of different things. So as living a large life entails being able to do whatever you want to do, like being able to spontaneously go on a hike up a mountain, but also being able to lift some uh, big heavy boxes from your house. Both of those should be done well. And mm -hmm. I think that's what CrossFit allows for. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I just wanted to, to latch on to is I think which is, is pretty cool is that a lot of gym outsource the programming right but it's because they may maybe admittedly they know they can't program for their gym but because we have the capacity to do that the gym owner is going to be the most knowledgeable if that's the case over what the gym needs too so you can get closer to individualized programming which is admittedly the um, the best sort of programming so it's not going to be individualized but it's going to be individualized for the gym mm, right so it's going to be a lot more tailored to what the gym needs are so i mean it's going to be far more i mean the efficacy is going to be far higher than just kind of plopping things out to someone that doesn't know the gym yeah and i guess like an example for people listening say you walk into like i don't know crossfit mayhem and you know that there's like a huge percentage of professional athletes there who are following their program or whatever there's probably going to be a lot more frequency of high skill workouts and heavy Olympic weightlifting right. and stuff. First, if you walked into CrossFit Nashville, yeah, we have some competitors, but we also have the majority of people who are just here to be fit and to yeah. be healthy. So maybe you won't see as high of a degree as those uh, of those intense workouts, or not intense workouts, but like higher caliber workouts, right? And they could both be GPP. Like Mayhem probably, I would I haven't been to Mayhem, but I would guess that there's a lot of people that have devoted a lot of time to learning things like Olympic lifting. Mm -hmm. So they go, with their finger on the pulse of their gym, they can put up programming that might not be anywhere close to the fit of somewhere else, elsewhere, like here. Mm -hmm. like we don't have as many people that are doing specifically Olympic lifting. In order to take really full advantage of something as high high skill requirement as Olympic lifting, you really have to have put in the reps and reps and reps and reps of doing it skillfully before you can really um, get the most out of it and not and not be a liability for the athlete as well. Yeah, and I think that would be probably part of the culture at Mayhem is they're competitive, they're into the sport, and so they spend a lot of time, you know, four hours a day is probably pretty common for most of, or maybe two hours a day is pretty common for most of their athletes, whereas, you know, maybe most of our athletes is an hour a day, you know. So, like, 
so their their programming might be more Olympic lifts. It might also have more like macro cycles where they are geared around the sport, like the Open or the Games. Whereas we are more kind of traditional CrossFit, where you want to be just prepared for GPP and be generally fit yeah. all the time. And I think that speaks to. Um, I use this term about us and our program a lot, but the more purest approach to CrossFit, like straight out of the manual, they say uh, the style of fitness that we're chasing is is uh, like a broad and inclusive style of fitness, right? So the program has to include a broad and inclusive stimulus, um, which means you're not just going to spend a month on Olympic barbell lifts because then you're not doing CrossFit. Right. right? Um, not to say it can't coexist and you can't bias things, but... <clears throat> I think we do a good job of still touching on those things and not losing sight of them, but also not spending too much time in any one spot. I also think that involves, let's say, someone that does really want to devote themselves to Olympic lifting. A very earnest desire, can't be half-hearted, to really learn the Olympic lifts. Uh, I mean, I think most of the people, I, I deal with a lot of individual athletes, and most people that are by far the lion's share tell me, I'm not trying to be super competitive. I just want to live my best life. And... In order for them to achieve that, I look at it like this. We're going to the gym as exercise to help the rest of our life outside of the gym. And in fact, to the extent that like, if you have an option of going hiking or going to the gym, if that's available, take your kids out hiking. Go out and use that, I mean, that, that time you've put into the gym to help the rest of your life. Don't sacrifice hiking for the gym. Right. Don't, don't sacrifice anything outside of this gym if there's a chance to it. Actually use your fitness in a way that's going to bring like, meaningful experiences to your life. Yeah, that's a good point, and that's even part of the, the uh, like the, the pyramid. Right? If you ever seen it, yeah, the hierarchy of fitness. Yeah, you know, nutrition, metabolic conditioning is above that, and or the, so like nutrition all day, every day, you should do metabolic conditioning three or four or five days a week, and then you know three days a week do gymnastics, and then twice a week do weightlifting maybe, and then. Once right. a week, go out and use your fitness outside the gym. That's like kind of the tip of the spear of CrossFit. And that's probably what I'd say a lot of people don't do the foundation of nutrition, right. and then a lot of people don't do the tip of the spear. Right. Of yeah. the They're hammering sport. Metcon, gymnastics, weightlifting, right. and, and that's I, about it. I would even go so far as to say like everybody should be getting outside for some sunshine every day. It doesn't have to be like a big ordeal. It doesn't have to be a ceremony of I'm going to go climb Mount Washington. Yeah. But going out, walking around your house, going to a lake, doing some some type of event outside where it's more than just five minutes or, or whatever, walking to your car from the grocery store time, just spend some time, at least like 20 minutes outside every single day. And that's bare minimum. Hmm. Uh, I think that's often one of the mo most neglected pieces. And even to the extent of evaluating, am I going to the gym but never going outside? And if that's the case, then maybe spend a little less time at the gym, a little more time outside. And doing... There's... So we call this functional fitness, but there's functional movements that have nothing to do with a barbell or a oh, yeah. right? Like go chop some wood, right. go do some whatever, yeah. yard work, move a wheelbarrow around, yeah. stuff like that. Even just hiking, like you mentioned, um, just because you're not in a gym and a clock's not running doesn't mean you're not improving your health and wellness. Yeah. You know? um, I know this is slightly off track from the programming uh, context, but not completely, right? It still fits in there. Um, because it's something that's maybe missing from all programs is using it elsewhere. Well, yeah, but I think it's it's off track, but it's on track in a way because I think it gives perspective to the fact that like 
the, the programming isn't designed around like everyone competing, which would be, that's when like we, you were talking about initially from the macro to micro perspective with um, powerlifting programming, but that's powerlifting, mm -hmm. right? So we can, we can just be complementary, but we don't have to be specific with how exactly we're doing if we're doing it for GPP, right? Yeah. Unless it's a GPP with a competitive bias. And I think those things, as they do here, they can kind of exist, uh, like they can both exist in the same gym yeah. and be supported, right? right. <clears throat> so like for instance, we have the extra programming, which is more built around like a cyclical uh, year of the open being like the cornerstone of that cyclical program, right? After the, after the open is more like bodybuilding or trying to put on mass, and then we have strength building to take that mass that you just built and make it usable. And then we apply that to Olympic lifting. And then we apply that to more like CrossFit type stuff right before the open again, open yeah. prep. Um, so in that way, there is even here where we're more of a GPP gym and we can, uh, we can train a really wide range of skill and age levels. We can also foster the people who want to be competitive into and want to care about the open and those types of things, we can support those people too. Yeah. Um, one thing I like. One thing I try and emphasize with all the individual, because I'm mostly individual as far as with PTs go, but it can be definitely applied to group class. Is developing autonomy. Developing autonomy, and that means like let, knowing which level that you should be at according to what I mean even with, within one workout. If we have something like five by five back squats, if you are you're pretty new to this stuff and you don't have if it's one of your first rodeos, you're pretty new to the game. It's that your goal should not be heavy weight, right? You should be developing motor control and, and also developing time under tension, but with a little bit of weight that allows you to have that great movement. And then as you're developing in there, so that involves you having the autonomy to know I'm not ready to go heavy, excuse me, but I'm, I, I do need to, to move and start feeling some weight and get some muscle contraction going there. So I think that just it does involve the individual knowing that a little bit about themselves to see what they're ready for. And I think a good rule of thumb is if, if you're moving poorly, you shouldn't be moving, right? Yeah, it's, it's the mechanic consistency, that intensity yeah. piece of things. And yeah, and also for the individual aspect of classes, um, you should look at a workout as a template. So like if there's a heavy, a heavy thruster day in a workout, heavy is relative right and the the goal of that workout is is heavy it's not the actual weight it's yeah. heavier if it's a light thruster the goal of that workout is a light right thruster. Like it says like 95 pounds translation right. that's, light. that's so light yeah. pounds. so yeah, if 95 moderate. is yeah. heavy for you yeah then you're not you're not doing the stimulus which we've right. talked yeah, exactly. about before yeah, yeah. but um being able to look at the class programming and then individual individualize it for yourself right. that autonomy is is important there's two things that uh i'd like to bring back up that one of them you already mentioned and we kind of glossed over it but is uh you said athletes doing box jumps and air squats can increase their one rep back squat right <clears throat> and i think this is something when the question came up like how can we progress in all these different skills if we're not ever doing like completely linear stuff like the traditional strength conditioning because this idea of like transference of of skill and transference of uh, patterns isn't something that people talk about a lot but it is like if you do 
uh, you know, traditional CrossFit programming and you're doing a lot of push-ups and you're doing a lot of burpees and dips and type stuff, you're probably going to be pretty damn good on a bench press, even if you don't bench press every week. Mm -hmm. Like, pers from a personal perspective, I've PR'd all my barbell lifts in a lot of times surprising ways where it's like, oh, I haven't touched a strict press in a month, but I've been right. doing a lot of handstand walking and I've been doing a lot of whatever else, you know, and um, so you don't necessarily need to train exact movements to get better at those archetypes of movements. And this is something you've talked about, right? It's like, if you're good at overhead archetype, you're going to be good at any overhead movement. Yeah. Um, barring if there's skill deficiencies and right. stuff. But um, so that's something that's really cool about CrossFit. Yeah, it's really broad, but they all serve each other. Yeah. <clears throat> if you're really good at cycling a box jump, you're probably going to be okay at doing a heavier back squat. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. But in, that's a, latching on to that is learning the individual archetypes first like a front rack archetype which applies to many different things front squat clean power clean all sorts of things and then making sure those are on point and then um from there then the, if the individual archetypes are good then you can apply them whatever movement that holds those individual archetypes very well but if, if let's say you can't even get into a proper front rack or you can't get into a proper overhead position then there's a very non-existent chance of you being able to do the movement dynamically well. So kind of approaching it from that archetype basis is, I mean, a good strategy for improving everything. So the, maybe, so we talk about like our approach to general programming for classes maybe, which has kind of changed over the years. Like we used to, we've kind of gone back and forth to play around with different things and, you know, uh, put in like, uh, linear progressions with strength yeah. and stuff like that and um, but I think in general we've settled on a pretty like traditional approach to CrossFit which is you know general physical preparedness at any time so yeah. we don't we don't really bias the year too much but for those of, that do want to bias the year we have the extra programming if they want to put in that extra work um, but yeah we pretty much followed along and and one of the biggest questions or confusing confusion subjects that come up are is um is constantly varied versus random mm -hmm. so i always like to clarify that like that you know if you were doing random workouts just picking them out of a hat the hopper yeah eventually it would be you'd have two you'd have you know thrusters back to back or you'd have a um a workout with pull-ups and yeah you know pull-ups again in the same so they're complementary Right. They're varied, yeah. Yeah, because so constantly varying means that it's varied. It's not random. It means it's always yeah. different, which is actually pretty hard to do. Because even even if you try, like the you know, like pressing archetypes, like you could do handstand push-ups right. one day. That that means you can't do strict press the other, the next day. Yeah, you know? like we wouldn't do toes to bar a heavy a bunch of heavy toes to bar on Monday, then a bunch right. of heavy JC setups on Tuesday too. Mm -hmm. Right. Even if they're similar. Like they're, yeah be hitting a lot of the same things yeah yeah so you have to be really aware of you know what the what the movement patterns are is it an upper body press is it an upper body pull is it a lower body press like a squat like a front squat is it a lower body pull like a deadlift yep. or kettlebell swing and uh, so you have to be aware of all that stuff and then you have to be aware of if is it a heavy day you know you don't want to do heavy 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 all the time right uh, so you have to mix up heavy weights, medium weights, and light weights because there's benefits to cycling light weights. Um, like everybody knows, 
like, or for me personally, like I hate seeing light weights because that means you That's can't. Gonna, you might yeah. be in for some pain. Yeah, 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 you can't put the bar down. It's gonna hurt, you know. Yeah. And then you also have to mix in weightlifting with gymnastics, with uh, monostructural, like double unders, running, biking, swimming. We don't yeah. swim well, in the gym, but. But yeah, so you have to think about all those things and then make it varied. So it's there's a I think CrossFit programming is is very difficult, but it's also like there's an art to it because there's right. there's multiple ways to approach it. Yeah, and so finding kind of your your way of of approaching it is key. But and I think that learning curve is uh, is is can be why sometimes some gyms if they don't treat it with as much respect as it should be. That it can go very wrong. Yeah, yeah. So it, it requires a skillful program in order for it to be done right. It is really easy to do it wrong. Yeah. And it's really hard to do it right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, like, for Eric's case, you, uh, I don't know if this public knowledge with the gym, but you've kept like a running document of your programming for over right. ten years, right? So yeah, I have Word docs from day one, and and I make a new Word document every year. I'll cut and paste the previous week and then I tweak it. And uh, like, so say like the, even this week, so it's been 12 years and we're still making changes. Like, so next week I was looking at it. I made a little like red mark saying everybody was extremely sore. So maybe do like a more um, conditioning day because we did, we're like next week we're going to do like an uh, Cindy type workout. That's going to get people super sore. So yeah. Yeah. Volume. get ready for that. And then we did a press two days later like a overhead press or something um and people were really sore so then i made a note like you know maybe we um give a little bit longer do and a like, deadlift or something instead yeah like something. do some well, so what do you guys th remember when uh crossfit first came out and everything was posted on that main site mm -hmm. um and then people would it would be like it would really be a lot more uh a lot more varied let's say there weren't cycles like so often programmed now it would yeah. be like one week it'd be five five rep max deadlift and then the next day it'd be like a 5K, whatever, 10K. Mm -hmm. uh, but there wasn't, back then cycles weren't, weren't a thing. Right. One thing, that's, it is one thing that I really like, though, is having, like, when we do a front a squat cycle. Right. That you can, from week to week, build off of that so you can see a lot, especially if the caveat being you're logging your workouts. Mm -hmm. Right. But you have to know, you're not arbitrarily guessing, what did I do last week? You're adding 5, 10 pounds from yeah from the next week and i think there's a lot of progress to be had especially if you're um if we take an advanced athlete and linear progression isn't always something that they can do but for a lot of our athletes the, the vast majority of them we can really make really solid progressions from week to week and over the course of let's say four or five weeks that's monstrously different from when we started if we're building off that every yeah week. and like a good example of that here um and again the caveat is that you show up and if, right. if you miss certain days every week and you just miss that training stimulus, then like it's not going to work for you. But if you're yeah. somebody who's consistently here, like the 20 rep squat cycle, we did every week, usually on like a Monday or something like that for what do we do? Five, six weeks. Yeah. And you're consistently building in, in uh, percentage and every single person who came and didn't miss a day of that got stronger at yeah. the gym. Right. I, and it, I'd be stoked about that. Like when I have a linear and I know I'm going to build next week, I'm, I'm excited to come in and do it for that day because I, I right. get I, like a dopamine hit from knowing I'm going to go 10 minutes every night. I know I barely got last, especially if you're at a level where you should be doing this. I know I barely got last week, but you know what? I'm going to go 10 pounds heavier and I'm going to barely get this week too. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, so I, I like 
mixing in like little four to eight week kind of mini cycles. I think that, yeah, it's a lot of fun, but it's also a good way to just like give a boost to our back squat or give a boost to yeah. our front squat. It is an effective whatever. strength building. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> way to, it is an effective way to build strength. And right. confidence too. Yeah. And confidence, yeah. yeah. And most people can always benefit to being stronger, so. Yeah. Strength and, is the base for sure. Yeah. But right right now, kind of what I've settled on throughout the year is to do a kind of a progression, but it's almost, uh, it's a really kind of wide range. So it's not necessarily like a linear, like overload progression of percentage based. It's like, so week one is you do 220, 220. So that's like a higher rep scheme and then you um, overload it. So it just kind of primes you to to lift that 20 and it'll feel light and then the next the next time we do back squats or the next time we do front squats we'll go to a like five by five pause so that just builds confidence at the bottom of that squat and then the next week we do a uh, or the next time we do back squats we'll do um i think it's four by ten and then the following week would be or no, sorry, four by eight, and then the following week would be five by five, and then six by three, and seven by two, then seven by one, and then we repeat that. So it kind of goes from doing high reps um, to lower reps and heavy, and it does it in like a progression. Yeah. So you might not even notice that, or a lot of people probably don't even notice that we yeah. do that, but um, that's kind of what I do. So I'll look back, like, all right, it's a back squat day. What was the rep, sque rep scheme we did last time? And then go to the next progression of that. So, so it's and it's it's interesting because I don't think a lot of people know this. It's like it's not just doing like two and twenty for the sake of doing it. Right. It's for like like you said, priming the nervous system. It's gonna you're gonna get the nervous system prepared for way heavier weight. Yeah. And so there's a lot of when you're able to look at the details, there's a lot of thoughtfulness. Yeah. Put into just how the workout set up, and then um, maybe the conditioning workout is going to tie into the strength as well in a way that is very complementary. So there's that's what the science behind it all is fascinating right. if you dig into it. And if and if, if someone that knows what they're doing, another person that knows what they're doing can always tell, okay, this is how it's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even like from, you know, the 20 rep approach to a one rep approach, like 20 reps is kind of more that hypertrophy, getting good at the positions, um, building muscle stamina. And then when you build your way up to the seven by one, that's more like, you know, neurological recruitment and, you know, teaching your muscles to, to all work together so yeah. that you can move more weight. Mm -hmm. And maybe not everybody is ready for that type of variation, or I shouldn't say ready, but maybe everybody's not going to benefit from that as much as like, um, like if you were, like that kind of stuff, or I should say, that kind of stuff doesn't matter as much to right. a, a newer athlete. Yeah. Whereas they're just, they could do five by five for a year and they're going to see yeah. great benefits. Right. But. One way I like to explain some stuff like that to people is that, like, when we have someone, let's say they're, they haven't had much of an athletic background in their, their endurance space for a long time of their life, is that they're coming in new without having had much strength training, that they're like a light bulb that can only dimly bright, mm -hmm. um, dimly brighten there. But what we need to do is initially being able to burn it much brighter as like a, a flush of energy so they can, can recruit more of, a, of their muscles than that dimly bright light. Dimly uh, lit. Bright light. So that's why that volume is allowing them to be able to learn to help burn the, burn the bulb brighter. 
Yeah, yeah. more like a motor unit recruitment, that yeah, type of stuff. Exactly. Which yeah. takes a long time for people who didn't grow up in sports or didn't grow up grow, uh, lifting weights and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It takes a long time to develop, yeah. like the neural pathways. Exactly, yeah. And everybody's different, too. Like, when you ask for percentages, like, you know, there's definitely a range that you can guesstimate, but some people can do their 20 rep max at 80% and be fine, and some people can do a 20 rep max at 60% and be like dying, you know? Yeah. And so everybody's well, like a newer athlete's going to hit that 100% and they're going right. to be able to repeat it again in 20 right. seconds. Right? right. Yeah. But uh, I mean, uh, a very experienced power based athlete, they, they would exhaust them to do the 100%. Yeah. yeah. They'd They'd have to wait a very long time. For the count. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 If your body is adapted to a high <laughs> level of strength training, then it's, you're going to, your percentages are going to be quite a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to use my myself as an example uh, for a moment, and in a, in a way to give credence to what we do here. So last year is a good example for um, the past couple of years, but last year specifically, I pretty much ninety percent of the time only did class programming here. Most of the time, I took a sport option, but I only followed class programming, and then I added like run, swim. Uh, some of the extra track stuff which is available for other people in the gym so it was nothing like off program like secret sauce stuff and i placed in the top one percent in the world and that's not necessarily just like i was already a competent athlete but for people who maybe have a view that like you need to do something different and special other than just a normal crossfit routine to be really really fit i don't think there's a ton of for me there's not like there's not a ton of data to support that that you can just kind of do a gpp program to your level and hit your threshold or just below your threshold every day and add a couple different things in and be really fit and you don't need to chase like matt fraser's program you don't need to go out and find some special thing um right. in order to sustain a really high level of fitness yeah there's a lot of good programs and the i mean the most important thing is that you just you're consistent with one yeah, yeah. but and chase stimulus like that's the big thing right is yeah chase the stimulus get yourself to the proper uh to the proper place for you for that day and and to have some wisdom with it and you can progress far beyond what you think um even with just something as quote-unquote mundane as a class program right one thing uh i'd like to bring to light is that one of the most disastrous things that you could do is, let's say you're like you're eager, you've got good intentions to make massive improvements. So, you're the way you're designing your own. Let's say we're doing outside stuff, we're doing stuff on the side, and then you're just kind of hodgepodge and picking things that you saw from whatever on, online you saw on Instagram, and you're just throwing it all together. I mean, it could be like accommodating resistance with bands, and it could be um, a bunch of other stuff that just seems cool. You're like, okay, I want to try that, but. It's since it's not thoughtfully put together, it's, it could end up being a disaster for you, mm -hmm. and you could end up stagnating for a long time or getting that, injured because yeah. yeah. it's not thoughtfully put together. Like Eric's talking about the the art of the mixture and the right balance of things throughout the year, right? Yeah. If you're not if you're following four different programs and taking what you like from all of them, right. you're there's Same. no way you're gonna be having a well-balanced yeah. stimulus. And you might have heard of, read an article about how this does this and this does that, but it's like you've got to keep in mind like what level of athlete that's designed for, being realistic about who, what level of athlete you are, and right. realizing that, again, just plucking things out from things that you see isn't going to be the best way that you have development. 
Yeah, like if you see someone on Instagram using chains or bands on their squat, like the conjugate yeah. method, and they're right. you know like that. If you just do that one day, it's yeah. like because you think it looks cool or yeah. fun, then that's not going to do anything. And those are specialists. <laughs> they're at a level right. where they have to be clever about it. Yeah, exactly. Game, right? Yeah, you're kind of like you're trying to trick your body when you train yeah. at that level. And so if you don't, if if your body doesn't need tricking, like if you can just do five by five and yeah. see huge gains, then just do that. Yeah. That's, it's simple, it's effective, and you'll see the biggest benefit. Well, one analogy I like to talk about sometimes is that a lot of times I'll have an athlete, they may maybe got off the strong, and let's say um, they might have the power production to be able to, let's just throw out a number, they could, they could squat clean 315 with their power, right? But it's not their power where they fall short at, because they might be stuck at 205, 215, 220, whatever, because their technique is what, is what, what they're lacking. So if we, if we had an endless capacity, just build strength more and more and more and more and more and more strength, then yeah, we could just do things that help us get stronger. But a lot of times, that's not where we're going to make the money at. It's where improving our efficiency is, is more what we need to do, because you're, going to, you're capped out as far as how much strength that you can build. That you can express, too. Yeah, exactly. And Eric, I'll give the Eric this, I'm giving you a lot of comfort here. I'll give <laughs> Eric this take too, is we do a good job of mixing in, uh, like, strength, quote-unquote, strength days that are actually more like skill days, like uh, Olympic lifting, imams, where it's like, hey, we're not, I don't care how much weight's on the bar, we're going to practice yeah. three positions. Or skill days, like the yeah. other day we did toe-to-bar progressions. You have 10 minutes to work um, in your area of progression with you know, the coach helping facilitate different drills on the total bar or the handstand or whatever. And those are parts of a program too that can't be overlooked where it's not play time, but it's kind of like structured, like exploration time. Mm -hmm. um, and just to work on the skill side of things. Yeah. Well, EMOMs are a great way to really force you into not getting ahead of yourself. For sure. We treat it more like a skill development. Yeah. And I've always been the mind just in the programming sphere that the program is important, but what's more important is your commitment and your diligence to the program, yeah. right? They yeah. all work. And intention. Intention, yeah. yeah. They all work if you do. Right. Yeah, like I guess you could say there's like 10% of programming is really good and it's hard to get there. And then there's, you know, maybe 20% of programming is really bad. And then that leaves 70% of program that's like, okay. And if you were consistent at something that's okay, you're going to see way better gains than if you were dabbling at that top 10% yeah. programming, you know, but like squirrel and like getting right. distracted, trying yeah. different things. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we got a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> and I think I'm kind of going towards the, we mentioned it already, but going towards those extra tracks, there's nothing wrong with deviating your programming if that's your goals. Because like the goal of CrossFit and the goal of main programming is general physical preparedness. But if you like to be stronger than you are fit or stronger than you are at running, say, um, or if you like to move weight and you don't like to run as much, like that's okay. It's just, it's not, the goal isn't health and fitness, right? Mm -hmm. You can bias it a little bit um, and I have done that over the years myself. Like I, you know, I do CrossFit, but my, I bias it towards strength training and stuff. So those, those extra tracks I think yeah. are, are great for that. And but also recognizing where your, your own strengths and weaknesses are and then right. giving some acknowledgement to you. Yeah, maybe I need to spend a little more time. Yeah. So that, that comes with being you know, a reflection of who you are. Right? Yeah. 
and then so we offer that I think which is which is good there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a little bit stronger or, or if you enjoy endurance training a little bit more um, but then the kind of pinnacle of programming would be individualized which you know that is going to be a higher barrier to entry just because of you know obviously price point and stuff um, and the time it takes but um, yeah if everybody could do individualized programming and one-on-one -on -one coaching you know that would give you the best results as far as fitness and and, and performance and it'll skyrocket progress because you can tailor it exactly to who that person is whatever right. their level is whatever the restrictions are whatever the limitations whatever the strengths are yeah you can tailor it exactly to the person and Besides the fact that the one-on-ones that that coach is giving you all their attention, mm -hmm. you know, and so yeah. anything that you do, they're going to have some input on, which I mean, of course, results in some massive change. Yeah, if you guys could design, that just makes me think. If you de could design a perfect on-ramp, and money wasn't an issue, time wasn't an issue for people coming in, what would you say that would be like eventually? Because we also know there's a lot of benefit to being in class because of the community and it's it's fun and all that stuff. But so, what would you say is like the perfect on ramp to get someone into classes? Uh, uh, as far as if money was an issue, yeah, they money, could do time, one, yeah, nothing. One hundred percent be one on one. Yeah, do with with a, a good amount of one on ones. Yeah, too, so that we're going over the specifics of how much. Uh, uh, motor control they have, mm -hmm. what's the what their technical capabilities and all these complex skill-based movements. We're catching those up to speed and we're taking it at a pace that allows us to focus in on those things that are most necessary to develop to get them to a regular group class where it's not going to have such um, like individualized approach to it. Yeah, I think it would definitely be, some for me, somewhat of a gradient depending on the athlete coming in. Like yeah, if, if we true. took somebody who had no experience, maybe they need a month of one-on-ones and then ongoing two days a week of one-on-ones and three classes or something like that where you slowly wean them off one-on-ones into class settings. Right. So assuming it's like a brand new person never worked out in their life before, I guess. Right, yeah. Then, yeah, I agree. I think like a quite a bit of one-on-ones until they build that mechanics yep. like really sound. Right. Um, and then start dabbling into the group classes. Yeah, and, stuff. And, and then even having a, a continued relationship with your one-on-one -on -one coach so mm -hmm. when you encounter things like, all right, I'm ready to take the next step to try strict pull-ups or something, you can jump out of a class setting for a session. Mm -hmm. And we have people here do that who have once in a while do one-offs on certain, hey, I just need to work on my overhead squat because that's the one thing I'm really struggling with. And they'll meet with a coach and do an hour of personal training um, or just do a check-in with the coach um, <clears throat> you know, continuously, let's say on like a monthly basis or yeah. something like that. So I think having that coach and athlete relationship in a in an ideal world where money was an issue and time was an issue and manpower wasn't an issue would be something forever, you know, right. To, right. to help support them, not to have them uh, completely dependent, but just to help support their continued growth. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then eventually, like that's how I kind of look at it too. Getting that, getting that athlete to a place of autonomy where they wouldn't need. Anyone, of course, there's all, the, the group classes over here. Everyone must have come to because of the community, because of the environment you get over here. But it would uh, be able to get them to a place where everyone could get abducted and they'd still be fine, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and even you know, 15 years of doing CrossFit, I feel like like my mechanics are pretty sound and I move pretty well and stuff. But there's even now there's things like my wrist bother me or my knee bother yep. me, and so now I have to go see maybe like a physical therapist type coach yeah. you know exactly yeah. Um, yeah and yeah so there's it's there's always reason to
to have that one-on-one right. uh, help. Yeah. And everybody can use coaching. Even, I mean, even Matt Frazier can use coaching. You know, every, yeah, everybody at any, yeah. and does, right? He right. seeks it out. Anybody at any level can improve um, by getting a unbiased and detached perspective on how they move and how they strategize and those types of things. Well, it's not coincidental that all those highest level athletes have one-on-one coaches, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, even the other day, I wasn't moving my feet very much on a power clean. And actually, someone that's like kind of interning was like, I noticed you're not moving your feet much. And then, like, I made that, you know, that was a beneficial cue and it made, right. it's made not a just difference. from an outside perspective. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love to get coached. And it, it is kind of the pitfall of a, being a coach. Right. A lot of times people don't want to coach you, but right. it's yeah. like, you know, the more the better. Right. That's why like the level two is so cool back in the days. Like they just mm-hmm. tear you apart. Yeah. Like I thought I knew how to do an air squat. Right. <laughs> Guess not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we covered a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Keep sending stuff because these past two episodes have been uh, directly from members. So they're fun for us. Uh, next week, we already got something yeah. picked out and that'll be a fun one. But yeah, keep sending your uh, suggestions. And, and, and do your... Uh, member check-ins because then we can kind of prescribe different options and different programming maybe for you so like if you come to us and like we always give three options a free option like a good option better option that's kind of lower cost and then a the best option which you know typically is probably going to be a little more expensive but um you know like if you want to lose weight we're going to give you know an option maybe meals you know that's pretty low cost or you know the next option would be like, like low accountability nutrition coaching um or maybe you want to get stronger so we can do the free extra programming like um so those member check-ins are a great time to to talk about what program or what path you should take to reach your goals yeah uh just while i'm thinking of it too as far as um any individualized anyone seeking individualized training um, I'll, uh, if you if you wanted to set one up, I'm kind of backed up right now, but we could arrange for a consult, and we sit and I we, uh, I'll find out a lot about you. We'll get where your athletic background, your injury profile, and um, figure out what your goals are. Not just like gym goals, but big life goals. And then from there, we can come up with a game plan for what would be appropriate. And that that's just, that's no cost. Uh, that would just be finding out about everything, and then we can make decisions from there on where we wanted to take it. Just wanted to throw that out there as an option. Um, my schedule might be clearing up here a little bit, but uh, you can always feel free to ask and we can arrange something perhaps in the future. Yeah, yeah we have a lot of resources here. so We do. Don't and a lot of different perspectives, different coaches from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. you know, and have worked in different spots in the fitness industry. So it's kind of cool of like, yeah. you get a pool of, you know, pool of good coaches. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. I think that does it this week. Season, season eight comes to an season. end. <laughs> <laughs> Next week for season nine. <laughs>